Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when he's not hurtling through the infinite void of space after being ejected by his crewmates is Gavin. And this weirdo with me who is roller skating through Target with Jennifer Connolly is Hess. <laughs> Man. Wow, what an efficient Frank um, Whirly pull. I'm not going to be able to say his name right. Frank Weehole. Frank Weehole. <laughs> Frank Whaley. It's just Whaley. Wurlitzer. Whaley. Man, you know, I actually have not seen that movie. Uh, don't tell me what the name of it is. It's called um, <laughs> Business Encounters. Pretty much. Uh, store, store Opportunities. Close. Career career opportunity. Yes. Was that it? Yes, that's it. Yes. And one night that changed everything. It's not as uncomfortable as I thought it'd be. Oh no, 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 it's not that. Nailed it in three. <laughs> um which um I mostly know for having a series of very gif-like images of Jennifer Connolly that cannot be appropriately described on this episode. Yeah, she does ride the um, yeah, there's a quarter machine. It's a whole thing. Um, but on uh, 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 here we are on this episode to not talk about the gorgeous Jennifer Connelly, although <laughs> I could do that all day. We are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Quick reminder, check at OopsAllMonsters on Instagram for images that go along with each episode and other cool stuff. At OopsAllMonsters, just like you think it would be. And today is a me episode. It's a Hess episode. So Gavin, can you drag... Some um, lexicography to the table for a segment that we like to call. Villainous vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. Do you have something that we could talk about that is vocab oriented? Have you ever heard the word uh, facinerous? I have not heard the word facinerous. How are we spelling? Facinerous. F-A-C-I-N-O-R-O-U-S. Facinerous. Wow. And it is, in fact, a villainous vocabulary word. It means extremely okay. wicked villain. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's very Boston. Yeah. Uh, ah, super, super mad wicked. Ah, that is you know wicked facinerous. Ah, <laughs> uh, Janine, your apple pie is wicked for sinners today. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Janine, Boston, Boston. That's how we talk, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Um, that's, Bill Burr. I imagine that. I imagine that people in South Boston just scream Bill Burr as a uh, an expletive. Yeah. When a, the things you know when the Celtics <laughs> score a three from way outside. Bill Burr! Bill Burr! Is that, is that not what they do? Because yeah. if, it's, if it's not, they should. I, they should. I have an odd appreciation for both sports and joy division. 
<laughs> Bill, we were talking at my house the other day during a game night of how freaking weird Bill Burr is because he is both <laughs> like a very intelligent, emotionally in-depth genius yeah. and a complete jerk hole a, at the yeah, same time. He's a brutal savage. <laughs> yeah, but let's... um. Uh, just like Jennifer Connelly, if we say anything more about Bill Murr, we're go- Bill Burr, we're going to un PG thirteen this episode. Yeah. So let's let's move out of villainous vocabulary. I really like that word though, fascinerous. Yeah, fascinerous. are we positive it's not? It's a it's a soft s. It's or a soft c. It's a it's a fast, it's not a fact sound. How the robot said it. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, the um, robot might be wrong. I oh know. no, I love it. Yeah. No, no, I believe there. I um. You know, if Isaac Asimov has taught us anything, always believe a robot. (laughs) All right. So I will drag us over to our acclaimed segment, the Imagine If You Will. So, Gavin, um, this is one. I have no idea if you're going to get this. Um, So stop me. This is one where genuinely you want to stop me if you've got if you've got a, a buzz in. Okay. All right. All right, imagine, if you will, you are a space traveler, a worker on a ship in the far reaches of the galaxy. Your crewmates and yourself work doing mining or some such on various planets, but right now you are in transit in the cold, harsh nothingness of space. You are one of, say, 11 or 12 total on the ship, and you spend your day whiling away the time at various mundane tasks essential for life on the ship. As you finish swiping your ident card through the reader, you make it over to the power diverter to work on that task. Power diverting is a very serious business. (laughs) And take a long sip on your highly caffeinated bottle of Dawn Dew when one of your crewmates slips into the room to swipe their ident card, although they seem to be acting kind of sus about it. The fancy wolf ear hat that you wear 24 hours a day twitches a bit on the top of your head with some strange intuition as the robot pet that slides along beside you watches you curiously. Then, zlamo, whammo, blammo, your crewmate leaps from the eye dent reader, their body snapping into two bizarre, unreal pieces, revealing a gaping maw of needle fangs and its tongue shoots out from the impossible hole. A black rapier piercing your heart pushes through you and you collapse dead on the floor of the skeld where your one singular bone suddenly sticks out of your headless corpse. (laughs) For reasons that are less than totally clear, there is panic on board. There are aliens. Worse, your fellow crewmen crewmen and crew women and they crew may not be what they appear. These aliens, it turns out, look just like us. If you and your real human friends can complete all the tasks needed to safely get the ship to your destination before the aliens eliminate enough of you to take over, success. But... If these bizarre imposters succeed at reducing your numbers down to equal of theirs, or the ship falls apart from lack of upkeep or the oxygen levels drop too low, the crisis turns to the alien menace. 
we are going to attempt a child-friendly recording, or at least a PG-13 appropriate episode today, because Gavin, do you have any heck of an idea what topic we are discussing today? Is this the game that you're running? Uh, no, it is a it is a different game, and I'll give you a hint. It's not a role playing game. Um. Okay. Uh, it is. I will give you another it, hint. Is it, is it is flamingly incredibly popular. Is it xenophobia? Uh, interesting. Um, not nearly as obscure as xenophobia. It is Among Us, and more specifically. The alien imposters that are the monsters of Among Us. Among Us? Oh. Among Us. You know, the thing that is that has caused basically all of the new slang of children for the last two years. No, I had no idea. I, I play um, uh, adult games. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably touch you even if you were covered with spiders. Highly adult games. For whatever population is getting to this episode as a destination topic and has not listened to a single episode of Oops All Monsters prior, maybe because you're one of the billions of children that are upset or um, Twitch streamers that are obsessed with playing Among Us, um, we do not plan these topics in advance. So Gavin was genuinely totally surprised um, when I introduced this topic because... Um, sneaky aliens on board a spaceship is very much adjacent to a lots of topics either of us might have picked for this show. Yeah, um, Gavin, can you fill in? Them. Can you fill in the audience as to that that game that you rep- that you represented there for a second? Xenophobia, because that's um, a real um, that's a real interesting um, hit in terms of like uh, video games. Yeah, actually, it's xenophobe. Xenophobe, yeah, you're yeah. right, xenophobe. Xenophobe was a 1987 game. Yeah, I want to say, like, late 80s, yeah, yeah 87. Yeah, it was okay. a 1987 arcade and tabletop game at the same time, um, uh-huh. which was weird because the tabletop game took the arcade game and just made it into uh, dice and counters, Something. and it, it, was, it right. was easily translatable because... All you did was side scroll on a ship and run away from what is obviously uh, a child friendly cartoon uh, xenomorph. Uh, xenomorph, aka yeah. alien from yeah. Alien Monster <laughs> ripoff. Yeah. All right, people, let's move like we've got a purpose. Affirmative. Affirmative. I always remember playing Xenophobe as being extremely infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> that there, there, that it was. Um, it was not uh, it was not a simple process like it wasn't just a platform shooter and it wasn't just a puzzle and mapping game it was a weird mix of meandering through this spaceship and zapping weird bug monsters yeah. but also being um, angered by just the format of the game at least yeah. for me but maybe that was because I was a child most of those years yeah you also had to maintain the ship I believe. Yeah, which um, is interesting because you have accurately gotten to a reference that it would not have occurred to me in the short time that I was working on this. <laughs> um, but Xenophobe has a ton of overlap with Among Us. So do you have any idea? This is going to be a real interesting triangle between the audience that is <laughs> screaming about 
every minute detail that they know uh, up, down, and sideways. Uh, myself, who have a pretty good understanding of Among Us, and you who are completely ignorant, do you have any clue how it works? No. Hello, Teenage America. It is basically werewolf slash mafia video gamified. It's real. <laughs> is, that's what it is. So, um, for those of us who don't know, werewolf mafia is a um, informal uh, secret roles party game where you stand around and nighttime comes. Some people are the bad guys, either the mafia or the werewolves. And they get to eliminate players during the nighttime. And then when, and then usually there's a character that works with the villagers or the citizens who has uh, gained secret knowledge, can test people to see whether they're mafia or vampires. Mm-hmm. And then when daylight comes, all of the villagers argue about who the bad guys secretly are. And then you eject people from town or, or you, you know, you eliminate players and then you find out whether they were the goodies or the baddies. So among us is the, um, mobile video gamified version of that. And let me just pound through exactly, um, technically what among us is and just uh, this is going to be um straight up from um the interwebs among us is a 2018 online multiplayer social deduction game developed and published by american game studio inner sloth the game was inspired by the party game mafia and the science fiction horror film the thing <laughs> what do you got in mind mccready a little test and windows human palmer Cut everybody down real tight what for for your health. The game allows for cross-platform play being released on iOS and Android uh, in 2018 and on Windows later that year in November, and then subsequently it's on every darn thing you could possibly download it on. But um, as is uh, to, ex- to explain the level of cultural impact, um, I'm going to quote from PC Mag here to say, Among Us is the most popular mobile game in the world. And there's nothing quote-unquote sus about that, which is what has turned into the 11- and 12-year-old slang to mean suspicious activity on board the uh, spaceship Skeld, which is the place where Among Us games take place. According to The Verge, back to PCMag.com, developer Inner Sloth's cartoony space adventure has amassed 41 million downloads in the U.S. and 264 million downloads worldwide. These numbers come from app analyst Apptopia's lists of most downloaded titles across the globe. And actually, I think this article is a year or so old. Among Us beat out popular names like PUBG and Roblox to take the top spot. It's even more impressive... Um, of a feat when you consider the game first debuted in 2018. It began picking up steam in 2019, only to reach astronomic levels of popularity in 2020. This is due in part, obviously, to Twitch streamers and players jumping on board during the coronavirus pandemic. So an accidental geyser of enthusiasm comes out of the combination of Twitch streaming and kids suddenly being stuck at home with their phones and um, a ton of time to be mobile, mobile gaming and a desire to both game and connect socially because 
this is uh, a game that kind of does things that, cer- that lots of other games don't do, where what you're doing is throwing shade at each other, arguing, taking votes, kicking people off, working collaborative, working collaboratively, working against each other to solve problems. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, let's do what Max says. I mean, uh, he wasted Norris pretty quick, didn't he? That's close enough, Clark. He ain't tying me up. Then I'll have to kill you, child. Then kill me. So, um, Gavin, I'm sure by now you've probably seen some of the imagery that is so um, ubiquitous of these weird little crewmates that are kind of just like little egg dudes with um, visor mm. goggles on and little space backpacks that look like they look like nothing at all, right? They're not yeah. even, they're barely even a, a person. Um, but what we are here to talk about is the, the evil baddies of the Among Us world known as the imposters. So, um, <laughs> uh, Gavin, I don't think you were surprised to hear uh, in that explanation the reference to the thing. We're going to find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. The way it works is, say you got eight people at a party, you stand around, you say you're going to you play werewolf. Yeah. And so one or two people will be been given cards or slips of paper to indicate that they are secretly the werewolves. I didn't know it had like an, <laughs> I didn't know it had a name. Okay, you call that werewolf. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. No blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. Crawl away from a hot needle, say. When, quote-unquote, daytime returns, all of the players argue back and forth about who was um, committing suspicious behavior, who was being sus... And then, okay. and then they will have a round of voting, and somebody will get kicked out of the game. And then after yeah. that, it will be immediately determined whether they were, in fact, a werewolf, or whether they were, in fact, mafia, or whether they were, in fact, an imposter, or just a crewmate. Those are the only two roles in Among Us, is you're a crewmate, which means you're a regular person that's not an alien, or you're an imposter who's secretly a parasitic shape-shifting alien. That's specifically the phrase that they are. Parasitic shape-shifting aliens. Um, You actually, if you, when you lose, the game actually does not remove you. Um, If you're an alien and you get removed, you turn into a ghost. And so you're allowed to move around the map, but people don't see you. But you are able to interact with things in a very non-mechanically consequential way and observe things. And you you have like a very light ability to just see what's going on. But in terms of actual roles, there's just crewmates and there's crewmates and imposters. Yeah. And 
the win criteria is actually the same as a werewolf or a mafia game where if you uh, in the primary sense where if you if the um, alien imposters get to equal or greater numbers than the human crewmates they win and clock was human huh which makes you a murderer don't it Palmer now. The other win criteria are if the ship tasks are not handled sufficiently, then the ship like falls apart and the uh, the imposters win, or if the oxygen levels drop below where the humans can handle it, the uh, the imposters win. But also if the crewmates can just survive long enough and keep the ship going long enough that they make it presumably to their destination, they win. And ta-da, the peasants so rejoice. You, you want to know what this has uh, in common with the thing. Or- <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you've played one of those games, in what way is it like The Thing by John Carpenter from, like, 1987, the motion picture? Um, paranoia. <laughs> yes, paranoia, paranoia, absolutely. I'd like to go on record as saying, I love this game, but in its adult, um, real video game format called Unfortunate Spaceman. <laughs> Is that a thing? Unfortunate yes. Spaceman? Unfortunate Spaceman is like the 3D uh, sophisticated version of this, like non-mobile game game. <laughs> okay. Where it's almost exactly the same. Good luck out there on your first assignment, new employee. Just remember, the universe doesn't care about your feelings, but the company does. And one of you, yeah, one of you is a monster. So it's a similar lobby, cooperative, combative, um, you know, MMORPG kind of, well, not, you know, it's not an MMO, but it is, it is a group collaborative um, vote off the the ship kind of game. Unfortunate Spaceman. I got to check that out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of um, kind of dead mouse style smiley faces on these astronaut helmets, which is a little bit unnerving. (laughs) There's a... um, among us, kind of uh, one of Inner Sloth's strengths is that they sh- it, they make games that are essentially entirely two D, and so they're very streamlinable. You don't have to yeah. render this massive, you know, like PUBG or even Roblox world to reference the previous article, where things are manipulated in three G three D. You have these very static locations, um, primarily either the Skeld, which is the ship. Um, or is there is a, uh, a location called Polis. So basically, if we were to alien one, alien the motion picture this, then um, LV426 would be uh, Polis, and the Whalen-Yutani Whalen Corporation would be Mira HQ, and the Nostromo <laughs> would be the Skeld. Nobody touched nothing. Instead of things bursting out of your chest and running around the ship and ripping your face off, um, you are just secretly an alien and you have a few methods of savagely murdering your innocent human crewmates um, when they least suspect it. There is the, the version that I used in the Imagine If You Will, which is, in my opinion, the coolest one by far, where your whole body splits open, revealing that the whole middle part of it is a uh, mouth. And then a, like, what would be the equivalent of a six-foot 
two-inch tongue shoots out of you and impales the human, and they just drop dead. Um, the other include, uh, uh, like, basically a Beretta to the back of the head. There's another, there's another one that's a vicious, like, stabbing, like, five times in the back. And then the last being a terrible version where the, your hands, which you never see otherwise, just manifest in midair and snap the crewman's head. Yeah. The incredibly entertaining thing to me is the human crewmates um, having only one bone. It's a singular bone in the middle of their blob body. <laughs> yeah, it just goes goes from where you would imagine like their their pelvis must be to yeah. where their skull would approximately be, <laughs> um, and that is only revealed when they die. It's, it's a one, single tibia. <laughs> one, yeah, cartoon Fido bone. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. And there's lots of little cute bits about Among Us that make it a um, very curious, but obviously wildly compelling juxtaposition of very consumable um, late elementary school enthusiasm for like, oh, we're going to get him. We're on a spaceship. We're, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, you're the bad guy. No, you're the bad guy. If it's, if it's, if it's, if it's not him, then vote me out. You know, where you can, I argue back and forth and then vicious, destructive murder <laughs> and also savagely voting people to be pushed into the, um, insufferable and uh, uh, unloving vacuum of space, <laughs> and in some cases um, doing so to totally innocent human crew members. I guess you're okay. All right, put that on and watch them. This is Professor Marmalade, coming at you rough and salty from inside the statue of Don Knotts on High Street in downtown Morgantown, West Virginia. The internet is chock-a-block with fan theories about the imposters. It is in a slash canon that they are parasitic shapeshifters, but we are given scant little in-game information to determine the true natures. Their inhuman torso-mouth, ridged with razor-sharp fangs, and amphibian-like tongue-spear obviously display a truly alien biology, combined with the ability to move through the vents, which the human crew are not able to do. Implies a flexibility of body and or mind to their bodies above or beyond that of humans. Although they might simply be animals from space, they are able to use human-like intelligence to avoid detection, and manipulate complex weapons such as firearms to eliminate crewmates. One crucial game element is the particular win criteria wherein the oxygen levels on the ship drop below what is safe for the crewmates, resulting in a win for the imposters. This certainly suggests that the imposters either do not breathe oxygen, or would suffocate much more slowly than the presumed human counterparts. We are not even positive that the cold void of space actually kills the imposters, as they are only seen drifting away from the game, to no longer cause us any trouble. All of these point toward a deceptively intelligent, tricky being, able to disguise its intentions, and kill with superhuman abilities we do not completely comprehend. The unknown being from deep space in John Carpenter's version of the thing, does, in fact, make a good point of comparison, because it is never seen outright, instead only as a manifestation of itself, as a failed or dying copy of other life forms including dogs, and the unfortunate victims of its dark business at Outpost 31. It moves in mysterious, inhuman ways, and displays surprising biology that confuses those that witness it, as well as a ruthless penchant for corruption and murder in order to survive. 
Innisloth is clearly influenced by the Ridley Scott and James Cameron alien film series, but do not evoke anything that points us toward the xenomorph alien as related to the imposter, except its ability to move through unlikely areas of the ship. Ultimately we are left to triangulate our understanding of the imposters, between these various horror influences, the body snatches, the thing, the xenomorph, and accept that their ambiguity is their strength. That knowing them would make them less frightening and less compelling antagonists that symbolize the dangers that still shift in the edges of distant horizons. Stab 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 stab. You thought I was a crewmate teaching you about aliens, you fool. I was the imposter the whole time. Mic drop. Professor Marmalade out. Shoving people out of airlocks and stabbing in the in the in the back with a Rambo knife in a cartoon fashion in order to save your spaceship. <laughs> yeah. On some level, it, it's um, in a way less violent, even though there is a certain aspect of violence to it. And I think there is a level of cartoon violence that is adorable and is not violence at all. Like a single Fido bone, yeah, is hilarious. And I think that any any person of any age should be able to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think hmm, that's an interesting point because also, I mean, I I would ar- also argue that um, I, I mean, Fortnite and similar games to some extent, but certainly Among Us really rubs on a friction point up against a friction point culturally, where um, at least in the United States, and this is not a, just a U.S. based game. You know, this game gets played in Mexico and France and Japan. Yeah. I mean, it is. This is a total global phenomenon. It's one of the reasons it's so potent. Is you actually don't have to. Um, you know, th- it's a fairly nonverbal game to a great extent. Yeah. Because um, you just see somebody coming out of a room and you think that they hit the vent instead of doing their tasks and you're like, that sounds sus to me. We're going to vote you out. I don't know, but it kind of gets at one of these friction points about like w- how much conflict and violence is appropriate for children, right? Like, yeah. like, can, how how soft do we make the world before it's too soft? <laughs> yeah, we're much better in the dark, like uh, Count Chocula. Dracula, fool. Count Chocula's a guy in a laundry detergent box. <laughs> and then also, do we want to have this animation with this guy blowing this other guy's head off um, by sticking by sticking a Beretta in the back of his neck? I there are uh, and I'm not I'm not art. I mean, those are kind of I'm asking those rhetorically, but I also think they're valid. Um, you know, because Among Us is absolutely based off of the numbers, just as ubiquitous as almost anything that there is. I mean, it, it's now yeah. it's like TikTok and Lunchables. I mean, it is it has yeah. permeated the slang and the knowledge base of all American kids, at least between the ages of like ten and probably seventeen. Like yeah. they're all, they're all pulling lexicography words, neologisms, like. A year and a half ago, nobody was saying sus, and I just can't get through a whole day without a kid saying it at me. Uh, because, and it's totally because of this game. It's, it is, um, it's just one of those things. It was like three years ago, it was kids you know, stopping to do the floss in the middle of the hallway, and, yeah. and, and now it's, it's stuff related to this. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. I've, I've, I've heard sus a lot, but mostly from teenagers and young adults. Oh yeah, it's it's purely driven out of the culture of this game is why. So if you if you're not if you're not 12 to 15, it kind of yeah. doesn't make sense. 
Well, this this game looks um, fascinating, and that um, it it is a collaborative effort for people to, to yeah socialize on like the minimal level that you can socialize with a phone. I guess is uh, <laughs> through a little cartoon blob. And, like, trying to figure out who the monster is, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really a lot of the secret sauce that has to do particularly yeah. with it um, with it kind of evolving into a larger piece of business during the pandemic is that it's not solo gameplay. It's not playing Quake 2 in your basement at 3 a.m. Yeah. drinking Code Red <laughs> or something, right? Like, it is, it, it, is, uh, it is not blasting demons with a rocket launcher as Doom Guy for six hours because you got a, a, a snow day in. It's not 25 years ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is much more related to the fact that now we have systems where you can just casually play with 10 other people, um, yeah. you know, or a hundred other people in the, in the case of, you know, large format games. And that's like absolutely constant. That's considered absolutely normal and, uh, mm -hmm. and standard. If anything, maybe playing solo games is considered kind of bizarre now in some oh, cases. Absolutely. Yeah, of course it would be. Um, but some, and I think that secret sauce of, giving a, a at arm's length social and digital connection where people get a reputation for being good or bad at the game at being reliable or being sus is yeah. it, it really gave uh, kids an access point to um, to social to socialize even you know like even very introverted very game oriented very nerdy kids you know you give them a game to play with each other and then you have a dynamic of socialization that's really on their level you don't you know you don't have to be the most gregarious person in the world to play among us with your friends because basically you can do it you can you can say nothing at all and yeah. just sit there for six hours with your phone and have a really great time and it's it doesn't have that taxing social aspect that in-person communication so frequently has that um you know that drains on your introverts even at the age 11 say we take off nuke the site for more but it's the only way to be sure there are um some easter eggs because of course these um players have uh, pulled out every possible thing that you can find inside of this game. There is a frozen ghost Easter egg where you can go to the exterior of one of these locations once you're dead as a ghost. And there is kind of a frozen scene outside that I think is very directly a reference to John Carpenter's The Thing, where a bunch of... Um, basically frozen crewmates are standing around a dead bone out crewmate that they're yeah. all kind of like staring into. And the uh, 11 year olds may not see that as an obvious reference, but to me, particularly given the other things that this game is based off of and what it references, that is obviously a John Carpenter, the thing piece right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a, uh, Terminator 2 Easter egg that's actually pretty common that if the characters are playing on Polis and are voted off they will be pushed into the lava and gives a give a desperate th uh, stoic thumbs up as they descend into into their fiery grave. Um, there is a Futurama brain slug that I have kind of referenced as that you can wear as a hat 
that yeah. you can get from the game or as a keychain. Um, and there is a QR code that eventually gives you a Fresh Prince theme song joke, um, among <laughs> other Easter eggs. So the, the, the folks over at Innersloth, they have more than a little bit of a strong sense of humor and a sense of playfulness and kind of an interest in, um, you know, some of the stuff that we like, you know, top tier uh, Oops All Monsters interests like John Carpenter's The Thing, um, yeah. which which grabs onto exactly the word that you used in terms of what goes in the middle of that Venn diagram, which is paranoia. Because let me tell you, the reason that these players get so amped up is because they start pointing fingers and screaming about who, who's got to go and blaming each other and throwing shade, and it is amazing. It, you cannot yeah. get kids amped up more than to telling them that one of them is a bad guy and then letting them just yeah. go at it. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. I have seen, because here's the thing is, um, coincidentally or not so coincidentally, I have been playing a reskinned version of Mafia slash Werewolf with a lot of my classes. And I called yeah. I ter I called it the um, alien invasion game or the Martian invasion game where there's one or two secret Martians and, and in terms of teaching it after we play it a few times I start handing the rules over to them and I say okay well we've got the scientist and we've got the aliens um, you guys help me pick some new roles and rules help me okay maybe we'll do a saboteur who can kill somebody when they die or a medic who can revive one person or maybe we change the ability of the alien. Instead of killing people, maybe the alien infects somebody and secretly turns them into an alien, and you don't know that. It just happens, and that really cranks up that paranoia dial. And you get you get a lot of um, you get a lot of finger pointing, to say the least. A lot of standing up on chairs and declaring things, dead poets society about who is who's gotta go <laughs> and who you can trust. <laughs> I think that Inner Sloth is very smart. They have made a bunch of games yeah. prior to this. Um, they are popular yeah. for um, a game that is heavily referenced inside of Among Us called Henry Stickman, which I Henry don't really Stickman, understand, yeah. but it seems popular and cool. I don't know. It's nothing like Among Us, you know but I, it's cool. Yeah, I did know about Henry Stickman. Yeah, I know, <laughs> this is all. This is pretty new okay. territory for me, but yeah, they are the same studio that does Henry Stickman and. If we were going to struggle to get a reference to the 1980s, 90s uh, tabletop RPG Shadowrun in here, their headquarters Ayo. is in Redmond, Washington, um, <laughs> which in our favorite tabletop RPG of old is kind of the terrible burnt out DMZ yeah. wasteland of um, you know, 2053 yeah. Seattle. Yeah, you know why it's like abandoned and burned out, right? I, it's because been like, so long. Um, all all of these all of these software companies and uh like like video game and deck companies came to Redmond and like it boomed and like a boom it went back down and the entire neighborhood like fell apart whenever the money yeah, left. Yeah, <laughs> video games <laughs> killed the Timberland stars. Yes. Uh, it makes yeah, se yeah. it makes sense to me. 
So kids, if you're looking for a non-D&D, um, crazy kitchen sink, dragons and automatic weapons role-playing game to play, and and maybe D&D isn't your thing, go check out Shadowrun. I think it's on edition 5.2 by now yeah. or something. It's on 6. It's fun as heck. It's like cyberpunk meets dragons and zombies. It's got it's got everything yeah. you could possibly want, and at your age, your, uh, your dear readers who are Among Us fans, it is hilarious. Yeah. D&D seemed very old, like an old man smoking a pipe compared to Shadowrun at the time. Shadowrun was yeah, like... Yeah, Shadowrun was full of... Bart's, um, Bart Simpson as opposed to Mickey Mouse kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Bart Simpson as opposed to Mickey Mouse. Like, um, split second as opposed to Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> is what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if you... <laughs> I don't know if you want to sh- throw that, throw that shade on. I mean, in terms of like <laughs> flavor, I get what you mean, but you know, yeah. rank in quality. Of- no, I don't mean quality. I mean like yeah. <laughs> if you put those up against each other in a compare and contrast in terms of you know yeah quality turns into a dangerous vector on those. Yeah, no, not quality flavor. As much as I love uh, Split Second starring Rutger Hauer, it is not not up there with Chinatown starring Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a cutlass for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a cutlass for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a cutlass for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oops all monsters. Um, let's imagine, if you will, if I had a child, I would not only approve of this game, I would encourage the play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many um, quote unquote critical thinking skills that are central to even yeah. even the most rudimentary rudimentary function of playing this game. I mean, you have to use deduction, you have to cooperate with your friends and thus engage in a certain amount of effective communication. 
you know, there is already lessons about voting and, you know, what you need to do to make sure you get votes for a specific topic. Uh, I mean, the, you know, there's um, task management and time management and prioritization. It is, it actually inherently has a bunch of essential skills baked into it and kids just absolutely love it. They're spamming that damn button, man. Oh, it sure would be nice if we had some grenades, don't you think? If you give people virtually nothing in terms of narrative, they will invent a whole vast panoply of a universe around it to explain all of these things that are that are essentially just um, cartoonified game mechanics, right? Um, you, yeah. give them, you give them a bite and they will invent a feast. In the view of an imposter when killing someone, the player's body is broken in half, where after a few seconds they fall on the ground exposing their bone, singular, as we've referred. Yeah. As the kill occurs, the imposter will teleport to the player in a flurry of gray scribbles and the body will collapse after a few seconds. If in the crewmate victim's view, while their body falls to the ground, an animation is shown which can appear in different ways. Uh, if the crewmate is either the crewmate is shot, stabbed several times, impaled on the imposter's tongue, or has their neck snapped, or is shot by the imposter's <laughs> laser, the last animation will only play if the imposter is wearing the right hand man skin. Imposters are weird. They are specifically understood to be parasitic shapeshifters. So, um, to you know whether or not they are evil is kind of, you know, you could also say that they're just more like a virus that is essentially neutral, and who knows why they've suddenly had to engage in, in violence for their own survival. You know, in, a, in an overlap with The Thing, particularly the John Carpenter version, you know, you've dug up this entity, and if you write The Thing from The Thing's perspective... It's just maybe trying to get back to its home planet and it's lost. And it is just hiding in these bizarre flesh monkeys um, in order to escape this terrible nightmare it's found itself in. Well, also uh, with the thing, since it's an alien, it might have an alien aspect of thinking. So it's not necessarily like being a predator, uh, being a predator or like a, uh, a, a terrorizing agent, but more like using what it can to get through this maze of uh, flesh monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Who, <laughs> who like, like what would a person do if they were stuck in a termite mound? Yeah. Or if that termite mound was um, 10 miles tall and 10 miles wide. Right. Like, yeah. and, and you were yeah. suddenly found yourself at the center of it and became, you know, you were trapped in a in a, a Mazda minivan <laughs> with a with a <laughs> shotgun, and you were suddenly buried alive inside of this gigantic termite mound. And whenever yeah. you ran into a termite, you know it screamed and chittered and you know spit acidic saliva on you. And then very quickly, <laughs> you become the monster from the perspective of this hive of termites. Right? Yeah. And yeah. similarly, if you spin that, you know, if you spin that lens around, you could say that the, it's very easy to see the imposter, the imposters as neutral if you yeah. don't know where they come from or why they're doing what they're doing. They are monstrous yeah. 
for simply the reason that they are the antagonists of this game and its format. We and yeah. and actually, this is an interesting episode for me to. I, I finally landed on um, a major pillar of what it takes to be the monster or to be a monster. And it's not, it's not incredibly advanced thinking, but it certainly has to do with, you know, it, this came along, I started rolling this idea around a lot more after we were discussing Sharknado and Jaws and why <laughs> is Jaws a monster? It is, yeah. but why is it? Yeah. And it, it has to do with, with see, being the, being the problem that is the central fulcrum for a specific story that's being woven. Because stories are not yeah. just fictional tales that we make into movies and that we make into um, tapestries and art. We live in a series of intermingled stories. And games also create little, if very thin, stories. And every game of Among Us is a little interwoven tapestry about who is to blame, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, who's reliable, who's sus. And in that way, the <laughs> imposters are like Jaws. They, you know, they are like the thing. They are the monster because they are the thing that is dangerous unknowable and from the perspective of the characters that are weaving the story it is malevolent and destructive and evil but if viewed on a more macro level that story can be unraveled and, be, and seen from another direction so the 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 being the thing that is the troublemaker within the context of the hero's viewpoint um and you know i'm saying heroes in kind of a plural way here the, that is yeah. that is just as important as any of the other pillar pillars of being a monster. Not being a human, or at least being a metahuman or a superhuman, um, and probably more important actually than being malevolent. Because if you take the context, if you take Jaws, or you take even you know the shape shifting alien from the Thing, there's only a certain yeah. amount of certainty. There, that it's not a strong amount of certainty that this thing is is inherently malevolent. You know, there these things yeah. behave like the animal that we know Jaws is. It has a, it has a series of yeah. processes that it gauges in. It defends itself. It eats. Yeah. It um, you know it moves around through a certain territory, and that's fair to say yeah. of the xenomorph from Alien. Ah. The xenomorph, for, well, maybe from Alien, but in Aliens, it was established that Ripley had limited communication with the Queen, and they hated each other. Right, that's true. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but is the, is that antagonism totally dependent on the Queen's um, protector status about her like children and offspring yeah. and eggs? Yeah, it was it was two pissed off mothers. Right. In so, so in a way, I mean, yeah. that still seems like something that could exist on an animalistic level, where it's hard to it's hard to ascribe malevolence to yeah. a bear or a shark, well, right? Yeah, but we would. Um, I think we would automatically assume the malevolence to the alien, since its motherhood requires the destruction of a of a person. I, I now I think I see what you're getting at. Whereas, yeah, that the. The 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 queen is intelligent enough to have a 
um, post-animal level of consciousness yeah. so that it can actively hate another character yeah. for yeah. its behavior in a way that is more so than maybe a dog, right? Yeah. Then that that the queen is kind of embodying a certain amount of our um, intentions that go beyond uh, a pissed off squirrel who's yeah. had its nuts, <laughs> its nuts and babies discovered or something, right? Yeah, it um, went right after Ripley. It was mad at Ripley, <laughs> and, and also because the queen is also able to. Um, the queen alien is able to give commands right, and to pull her drones back and to prioritize in at least a basic strategic way that implies an intelligence that might indicate something that we would call actual malevolence of uh, harm and bad intention. Yeah. To be something that is animalistic, you don't have to have hate in your heart. You can still be <laughs> quote unquote, a monster. And yeah. if the story wraps around you in such a way that, y- that you must be a monster. So being a monster really has more to do with the perspective of the protagonist and their pr- priorities and their fears than anything essentially about you, quote unquote, the monster, um, yeah. which I think is an, an essential ingredient for us to realize is, is, is baked into this. What is a monster cake that we've been trying to, you know, parse out for a while. I don't know. Am I getting too highfalutin? No, I just, uh, imagined like, um, Mary Shelley hanging out in Lord Byron's castle, uh, getting this concept in her head, observing Lord Byron thinking like, (laughs) how would a monster feel? (laughs) Like observing Byron is this monster. (laughs) Yeah, because he, <laughs> yeah, because he's he's probably drinking out of the bottom of a a, a pewter flask and yeah. and <laughs> scraping last night's like porridge and like pigeon pie out of a metal a, a burnt metal tin plate while yeah. wearing you know only a flowy pirate shirt wrapped around his waist. Yeah. <laughs> dragging himself around the the overly opulent kitchen of the castle. And this shattered visage merely reflects the abomination that is my heart. And that's where Mary Shelley got the idea to extend empathy to the monster. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Google, how do monster feel? Yeah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Dear Google, where is nearest Four Seasons? Yeah. Dear Google, when is longest winter going to be over? Yeah. If I was going to fail to notice that this is a game that is targeted at um, tweeners, while I was doing some YouTube research, I was uh, advertised uh, Dan- something called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is a live show in Pittsburgh that is a spinoff of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood of people in giant Mr. Rogers costumes. And, some, <laughs> and something called Blancos, 
which is a second person, a third person shooter in a nonsense laser paintball world, which purports to allow you to buy, sell, and trade NFTs as part of the gamified ver- universe of the world. I'm not making that up. I'm Don't click on Blancos, anyone. Whatever it is, run from Blancos, kids. Run away. <laughs> Out of uh, 544,000 user reviews on Steam, 92% of it is positive. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is there to hate? I, I, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's, there's virtually no quote-unquote content, right? I mean, there's yeah. no, there's no, you're not in the middle of a mission, you know, and some seven-foot you know, busty lady in a nursemaid costume and comes in and rips your face off. Right. Like there's no, there's, there's no, there's no bloody fetuses that are going to come in and, you know, take over the nursery. There's, this isn't silent Hill there. So there's very, there's very little to hate on because it's, it is a beautifully hollow thing in, in, and I mean that in a positive way in that, Really, what fills that Fabergé egg is the personality and interest and enthusiasm of the mostly kids playing it. And in that way, it is a fantastic vessel for discussion and argument and enthusiasm and fun. I really I have no I have no hate for Among Us, honestly. Although although I I don't love hearing arguments about it, it is still it is is obviously such a net positive for the world, I got, I got yeah. no, I got no thumbs down for it. It seems like if like five hundred and forty thousand people r- reviewed it alone, then there must be probably like twenty million players. So it's not oh, going to die the, anytime. The player soon. numbers are just obscene. <laughs> yeah. It is nuts, and that's I, on Steam alone. I'm, yeah, that's just I on imagine, Steam, yeah. and that and that the numbers from the articles from before that article is probably like a year and a half old that I quoted. Those numbers have only gone yeah. way up since then. Yeah. For those of us who are uh, destination enjoying this episode because you're Among Us fans, well, we're going to get into the end of the show where we've got a couple of discrete segments that we always do. So I'm going to ask Gavin, is or are the imposters from Among Us, are they bitch and fan art? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? No. Uh, no, they super are not. They're a little, <laughs> no. they're little Easter egg people with no faces. No. They're, yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're cute, but they're not bitchin'. I guess it's art. I mean, <laughs> it's adorable, you know. Yeah, it's a type I would, of thing, I would yeah. rather have a bitchin' Among Us van than a bitchin' Fortnite van. I'll say that. Yeah. But it doesn't make it, yeah. it doesn't make either of them bitchin'. They're both, they're both lame. I just lame. hate Fortnite so much. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, if we, we, we're gonna alienate a lot of our, uh, a lot of our dear readers, our new oh, dear readers that we're adding that. right now, if we get a hate on hate for Fortnite, Fortnite at this just moment. Stop playing Fortnite. But actually, the kids, they, a lot of them are, Fortnite is so last year honestly it's 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 true they moved on they're playing they're playing um much more bloody first person shooters or apex legends whatever the heck that is apex legends is just as oh my god Mm. apex they love it is is a mech game without the mechs in it how if you take the mechs out of a mech game what are you doing 
I guess is um, what I mean. You're, you're running around you're arguing uh, about sure. arguing about which planet to colonize. Apex Legends is in the Titanfall series. Titanfall is a big robot game where you can run around as a person, and then if whenever the level gets really difficult, you call down your big robot that you get into, and okay. then start start ripping stuff up in the robot. Apex Legends is just the pilot without there's no robot in it. So wait a second. But what are you doing as the pilot then? Are you just like eating You're Chinese? You're fighting food? other people. It's a competitive shooter. Like okay. you just shoot at other people. It's a lot like Fortnite. I see, but without the mechs somehow. But without you, the oh, mechs, so you're just is... a you're just a pilot that should have a mech without it running around. Yes, it's a, it's a total. See. It's a conceptual writing failure that made it to market. They should have at least. <laughs> I mean, if you made that, but with exosuits, that would be yeah. some, that would be bitchin' van art right there. I mean, I know, not even that like that would be a good video game. <laughs> like not even full scale <laughs> mechs, but just like you know, like. I mean, that yeah. I, I would play that. Hell. Um, all right. Cool. Well, yeah. Get off of it, kids. It's trash. Play. Yeah. <laughs> play with real giant <laughs> robots like the yeah. the the um, Bernie bros, Bernie babes and non Bernaries that you are. <laughs> it is not bitch and van art. That is how long no. that segment lasts. And after we do bitch and van art, we go into a segment that is. I guarantee no matter what version of it you bring today, these kids are not going to understand it at all, so you just do what you want to do with it, Gavin. Yeah. What are we going to do in I the dis- in our describing segment? And now, the segment on the show we call Gary Newman, Ken Ku Artificer. Boink. Blonk? Um... <laughs> Wow. All right. So it looks like, wait, this is, yeah, this is still, are we still in hashtag Gary Newman Kenku Artificer today? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. This is Gary Newman. Well, I was going to say, if that's not Gary Newman, I am, cannot recognize human beings with kind of strong, strong, um, I guess he has a strong, what do you call that? Like lower lip. And you, I don't know, it's kind of like if you were to stick your tongue up against the side <laughs> of your mouth where, like, the edge yeah. of your mouth is, or, like, the place where you would, it's like, a, chew on the inside of your mouth. He's always got, had these, like... Pout. It's these, a these, new romantic pilot pouch. These pouty pouches at the edge of his mouth. He's a pouty Powdersons. He's a serious pouty Powdersons. So everybody who has not listened to already 43 episodes of our show, we yeah. we pull up images of strange characters from the past and describe them in a way that you may or may not find entertaining. You know what this reminds me of? He reminds me, he really looks like he's supposed to be in Road Warrior is what's up with this, yeah. right? That's, like, that's not Mad Max, where, where not, it came from. not, yeah. Beyond Thunderdome, but Road but Warrior. Road yeah. Warrior. This looks like yeah. Gary Newman is the best friend of the. Okay, how do I say this for a twelve-year-old audience? The um, the, the the dear buddy of Wes who rides on the back of his motorcycle <laughs> and is tragically murdered, which sends Wes, the war dog of the Lord Humongous, into a rage. Oh. 
against the white hat goodies. Doesn't this guy look like that guy's best friend? Yeah, the the that character's name is the Golden Youth. The Golden <laughs> Youth. Yes. There yeah. fortunately <laughs> that name implies no weird relationship with anybody else in the movie. So, I Gary Newman looks like he's playing like I don't know the I'm the brass friend or something here. I don't like, yeah. like he's the <laughs> like the, the, like the golden youth and Wes go out with humongous. And he like a, you know, like an albino um, native American stays at home, weaving baskets with the wenches back at, back at the mutant HQ. Right. Yeah. Uh, because he's too pale to go on, like, you know, to go to war. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a very, there's very much a, um, how do I want to say this, man? I'm, I'm really going to do a tap dance around this. Cause you brought me a real challenging one. Um, a <laughs> yeah. Rob from Judas priest goes on a road warrior holiday thing happening here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is, yeah. Which is kind of what he looks like. Any Rob Halford. Yeah, like anyway, definitely but, in this yeah. costume. Yeah, this is Gary Newman as um I I guess uh confronting his um weird relationship that he has with uh science fiction and uh like uh Philip K Dick fiction <laughs> with um uh George Miller fiction and because if you like one you're going to like the other. So he realized that he loves the Road Warrior, but desperately wants there to be androids in it. <laughs> the face, yeah, the face that he's making really looks like he has been told that the party that he's going to is a fancy dress party, and he's yeah. the only one that showed up sci-fi, <laughs> where like yeah. everybody else is in like tops and tails, and he's like, but I'm. I even got a hand crossbow. <laughs> like, yeah, and, I've even got a hand crossbow. And he's kind of like <laughs> Tom Hanks in Big eating the the tiny corn, you know, at the at the um, at the buffet in Big kind of vibes <laughs> where everybody's looking at him and he's not quite getting the fact that he's the one of these things that does not belong. And he's like, I thought yeah. somebody else would be in. Sexy Mad Max stuff, but no, yeah. just me. All right, yeah. I mean, but like, I really wanted to meet some of these people, so the drinks are free. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, have you met me? I have a number one hit single in the UK. My name's Gary Newman. My name is Ruin. When they called me and broken. This image is from a photo shoot that has zero information about it. No okay. date. Because if you um, if you fast forwarded Costello. this to the event that I have uh, uh, attended, hashtag Wasteland Weekend, which is literally a Mad Max cosplay in the desert, he would fit right yeah. in. He would get mad props. Oh, he yeah, could, he would. He could go. He could this, go up there as a uh, you know as a connected character to the Golden Youth and totally get at least an honorable mention for the costume contest. Yeah, this is Wall Art by Finn Costello from Photos.com. Uh, for sure. That's definitely what it is. All right. Well, this has been 
Um, hashtag Gary Newman Kenku Artificer. I'm the brass friend. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on, that really does help. Check out Gavin Longshanks on the, uh, it is a YouTube channel and a Twitch channel. I do a lot of stuff there. Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram at Oops All Monsters for the images that go along with each episode. Engage us. Um, comment Engage. on the Instagram. Uh, uh, send us suggestions. Send us emails. Send us uh, role-playing game stories and uh, any kind of story at all. The email address for all of those stories and wonderful suggestions would be oopsallmonsters at gmail.com, oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And if you specifically have any corrections about anything that we said about Among Us, those emails go to theseoldmendontcare at hotmail.com. Theseoldmendontcare at hotmail.com. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, we would really appreciate it. Hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oops all monsters or if you're or if you're feeling really froggy and want to sign up for our patreon our patreon is at patreon.com slash you guessed it oops all monsters patreon.com slash oops all monsters lastly i have to thank my wonderful friend katie for our incredible theme song her work as part of the duo the darling kathleen's can be found at youtube at the darling kathleen's and with that I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And we have been the... Killing YouTube policies. Sussiest bakas in the room. <laughs> oops all monsters. Oops. Oh, yeah, they're like oops all monsters. They probably know the name of the show at this point. Do, they, do you know the name of the show out there, you kids? Out of the airlock with all of you. All right. Out. Out damn spot. All right, stop. <laughs> that was a heaping, humping load of good times. <laughs>